Oh, isn't God good, church? Isn't God good, church? I don't know about y'all, but I really love Jesus. But before we take up any more time, everybody hop to your feet. We're going to hop into the Word today. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, we'll be looking at verses 11 to 14. Matthew chapter 10, 11 to 14. And I'll read it as you all stand. And it says, when you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Let me pray for us real quick. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. Father, as we gather in your house today, speak from heaven. Touch our hearts and our minds and align us internally to you. Help us to hear your voice and to move forward believing that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. In the magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can have your seat, church. Thank you, guys. If you've been joining us for the past few weeks, we have been in a series called The Difficult Sayings of Jesus. And if you wonder why we did this, it's because, I don't know if you know this or not, but most faith practices and religions the world over agree that Jesus was a good person. Most faith practices the world over agree that Jesus had some wisdom. They agree that he was someone worth listening to. The issue isn't that we agree that he's worth listening to. The issue is that many of us actually don't listen to him. And if we're honest, we listen to him on the really like nice stuff, like the, like the Beatitudes, like how blessed you can get. But we really don't listen to him and the far more difficult things that he says. And so we wanted to have a conversation about these difficult things, and we're calling this series The Difficult Sayings of Jesus. This week, we're talking about peace, which is interesting. I walked on campus today, and people were just talking about peace. We have pre-service prayer every morning, and people are in there just reading verses about peace. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. Right? So this week, we're talking about peace and purpose. But before I do that, I'd like to ask you a story. Well, I'll tell you a story, and I'm not asking you nothing because I can hear you from up here. But I'll tell you a story. Have you ever found out something, some really good news, something exciting happened to you? Right? Everybody experienced something exciting before? You ever told somebody about this, and you are waiting, like with bated breath, for them to be as excited about it as you are, and it just drops no, just me? Okay, it's fine. Now I know who my friends are. So, <laughs> but I'll tell you a story. I had read this article one day, and I read this article, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read in the world. And I sent it to one of my friends, and I'm like, oh, we're going to have a whole, like, three-hour conversation about this article. And I'm waiting, and it gets delivered, and, like, they don't respond right away. I'm like, well, they have a job. Let me not be so inconsiderate. They have a job, and they're working, but when they read this, it's going to rock their world. And so I, I get to work, too. I'm working, completely forget about it, and I get the notification, and I'm like, oh, they must have read it. And so I, I rush over to my phone, and I grab my phone, and because of the way Apple ostracizes Android users, because Apple as a company is just very disrespectful, I get a notification, and the notification is such and such has liked your message. And I was like, are they going to say something else? Are they going to? 
No, we just liked it. And I was like, oh, maybe they're typing a long response to this long thing I sent them that has changed my life. Child, they just liked the message. We didn't even talk after that. It was just, listen, my poor little heart. I was like, you know what? I see who my friends are. I don't even need you. I don't even need you. <laughs> and why? Because rejection hurts. There is something unfortunate that happens to us when we unload something we care about and it is not reciprocated. But why do I say that? I say that because in this mission of life that God has called us to, he has called us to a purpose. He has called us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody. But the secret no one tells you is far more people will reject that message than accept it. And in your sharing and in your being on purpose, you will unfortunately experience rejection. It's going to happen. Why? They rejected Jesus. The dude you're telling them about was already rejected. So what more so of us who are sharing this message? So this is why Jesus told this to his disciples. You see, before this, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's sending them out. And he gives them the exact location where he's sending them. He says, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We'll read it so we can hop into our context here. Jesus says it like this. He says, Jesus sent out the 12, as the Bible says, after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to Galilee, and don't enter any Sumerian town. Instead... Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely you give. See, I was preparing the sermon with a friend of mine named Kyle. Kyle, raise your hand. Hey, Kyle, good to see you, my brother. So listen, we're preparing this sermon and... Kyle, he lays this thing out in a very beautiful lay. He says, listen, Malik, what's interesting is Jesus sends these people out, but he sends them out with ability, location, instruction, and resolve. He sends us out on the purpose of the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he gives us ability, location, instruction, and resolve. Today, I want to talk about that last one, the resolve that he sends us out with, but I'll call it peace. Why is this so important? It's important because your purpose requires peace. It is impossible to tell people about the Prince of Peace from a non-peaceful place. You know what that's called? We have a word for it. It's hypocrisy, right? It is impossible to fulfill the purpose God has for you from a standpoint and a vantage point of hypocrisy. You see, your purpose requires peace. And as we live and as we share this gospel, we experience the peace that passes all understanding. We get a peace from sharing it and we get a peace from living it. Why? Because on this journey, it is fun and it is exciting because he gives us peace. And anybody who's ever shared the gospel with somebody will tell you, when I'm done, it is the most beautiful feeling in the world. Unless they reject it. Then you go back in your car and like, God, did I hear you right? I shouldn't have did that. Let me call Pastor Malik and ask Pastor Malik if he gets rejected when he shares the gospel. All the time. Don't even call me. All the time. Why? Because we are telling people about a message that in and of itself 
if you boil it down to what it is, can be extremely offensive. And every day on the purpose that God has in your life of loving him, loving others, and making disciples, we will experience the turmoil and the rejection that comes from that. But what makes that even more difficult is because sometimes it feels like purpose often is draining this peace. It feels like every step I take to do what God wants me to do drains more from me. It's like, God, this obedience that you've called me to, it is actually painful. It actually hurts. And if you're like me, there are days where you're like, I don't even want to hear this no more. I don't want to deal with nobody no more. And if you're honest, sometimes the people that God has called you to minister to require you to be ministered to yourself because they drain your patience. You get home and you tell your friend or your spouse, child, I'm not going to this job tomorrow. Every day they try my patience, and if I walk in this office tomorrow, I'm flipping everything. No, just me? It's okay, baby. It's just us. It is just us. Why? Because purpose will drain the peace from you. And if we aren't careful, the thing that God has called us to will replace him in our minds and in our lives. And if we aren't careful, we can put our peace on other things outside of him. You see, the disciples knew this well. From before Jesus had ever left, he tells them, he's like, listen, if you are rejected, shuck the, shuck, shake the dust off your feet. He tells them this. But it's not just them. Paul, Paul repeats it in Galatians. Paul says, listen, you do not grow weary in well-doing, but instead for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is a reality of being a, a friend and a follower of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Growing weary in well-doing is possible. Getting tired of trying to live the purpose God has called you to is possible. It only becomes less possible when you do it for the right reasons. You see, when you do it because you want success, or when you follow your purpose because you want to have a good time, or when you follow your purpose for money or fame or followers or riches, you are putting your why in the wrong places. And when we put our why in the wrong places, bad things happen. And we wonder why we're sharing and we're living in our purpose, and every little thing pushes us to the edge. Every little conversation, every little snide remark, it, it grates at us because we are looking at the outcome and not the sender. We do not do what God has called us to because of the outcome. We do it because he sent us. At the end of it, at the end of the passage we read, Jesus says, for I am sending you. No matter who you are in this room, his word to you is the same. I am sending you. Jesus has a unique purpose for your life, but that purpose can only happen with his peace. You need peace to endure rejection. Honestly, you need peace to go to Walmart. Like, you need peace to roll up in Aldi. Like, everything, right? Like, you need peace to go to the beach. Sometimes you need peace to call your family. Like, everything in this life will pull peace from you. And if we have not gotten to the place where we know where to find it, we will hit 
E. And if you've never been in a car that hits E before, let me tell you, it stops moving. Right? Like, it's just done. I have a friend, and God bless his soul. I have a friend, he's alive, but still bless him, Jesus. I have a friend, and he habitually lets his car run out of gas. Several years ago, we had rented this giant sprinter, me, this friend, and some other people. I was just getting dropped off at Bible College, and we are in this giant sprinter van. It's about seven of us, and we are rolling down the turnpike to drop me off at college to move into my dorm room, and the van just starts slowing down, and I'm like, oh, why is he slowing down? It's the turnpike. And then he like pulls over and we're like, are you good? He goes, guys, I'm like, well, he goes, I ran out of gas. And my response should have been more courteous, but you see, every three months, this man has a story of him running out of gas. And so we're in this car and I was like, I'm gonna need you to walk to the nearest gas station and figure this out. And we're sitting in this car with no gas in it. And honestly, if you're not, if you don't know how cars work, when you run out of gas, you can think everything else is wrong with your car. Listen, unfortunately, I too have run out of gas, so it's not just him. It is me. But in my defense, the gas gauge on my car was working, and who was going to pay to fix it? Not me. Right? And so the gas gauge was, was broken on the car, and I'm turning in to get a haircut, and the car just stops. And I crank it, and nothing. And I call my dad, and I'm like, Dad, the van is dead. It's dead. I killed it. I don't know what's wrong with it. And he was like, did you put gas in it? I was like, yeah, I think so. And so I like, he was like, okay, maybe it's the time. Like, we had this list of all the things that could be broken with this van. We call the AAA man, and the AAA shows up, and he goes, is there gas in it? I'm like, of course there's gas in it. I'm a responsible adult. There's something wrong with the engine. And so he goes under the van and knocks the gas tank. And he was like, sir, there's no gas in this car. I was like, what did you do to it? Because I put gas in this car. And so he's like, I was like, I don't think it's the gas. And so he puts it on the flatbed and he takes it to a gas station. I'm like, just drop it at my parents' house. The engine is broken. And he like, he takes it to this gas station and he goes, put gas in it. I'll put gas in the car and the thing just keeps, like the number just keeps going up. And I was like, oh, maybe it needed like half a tank or something. And it goes up to the number that normally fills my engine. And he goes, turn it on. And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's not gonna work. We just tried this. And I turn it on and the engine revs, and he goes, I'm going to unload it, and I'm not even going to charge you for the ride. I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. Why? Because when you run out of peace, you will think everything else is wrong in your life. You will think it's your engine. You will think it is your source. Peace is the gas that you need for your purpose. And when you run out of it, the problem is you get stuck. I'm going to call it peace stuck. And when you do not have peace, your purpose is hindered. Why? Because your peace has gone in all the wrong places. You are depending on the wrong things. And any little thing will set you off. And because you're stuck, you do not have a way to replenish. Y'all don't get it. Somebody bring my Jenga set. Where is my wonderful, beautiful Jenga set? Thank you. Why? Because I need to show y'all what happens when you build your purpose on the wrong foundation. Thank you, don't tip it over yet. And if you do, it will illustrate my point even more. You can put it right there. Thank you, Brother Jose. Everybody give Brother Jose a hand. Thank you, sir, thank you. <laughs> so I'm gonna use this Jenga set to illustrate what happens. When your piece is built like something like this, y'all know what this is built to do? It's built to fall. <laughs> that is the purpose of the game. 
And when your peace isn't secured to Jesus Christ and the mission that he has for you, it is built to fall. When the purpose he's given you is based on results and it's based on people's acceptance, it is built to fall. Every no starts chipping at your peace and it falls and everything someone does starts chipping at your peace and it falls and everything someone does starts chipping at your peace and it falls. And the worst part about it is when someone chips at your peace on the wrong day and you show up like a house of cards that has been toppled, why? Because if you build your house on sand, it will not stand. My friend, I will tell you this today. Put your hope on things eternal. The song I grew up singing would say, hold to God's unchanging hand. Listen, do not put your peace on the results. As you're on the mission, people will say, no, that is fine. Keep preaching the gospel. People won't like you. That is fine. Keep preaching the gospel. It will be countercultural. It will be offensive. Keep preaching the gospel. Why? Because there is a world out there who needs to hear about Jesus who died and rose again. My friend, listen to me. Do not let your purpose end up like this. Instead, put your hope in Jesus. Listen, and if you, like me, have found yourself in a place in life where you are peace stuck, and you, like me, find your Jenga set in pieces, Jesus doesn't leave us there. He gives us the tools and the wherewithal to rebuild. At the end of our passage, he says, listen, if they reject you, let your peace return to you. In Greek, that is literally, take your peace back. If they reject you, take your peace back. Thank you, Zach. We're going to say it one more time. Take your peace back. That, listen, what that means is it is not passive. After rejection, after pain, after church hurt, it is an active step to bring back the peace that God has given you. And this will not passively happen. And so I urge you to take your peace by see living with peace and purpose means having the wherewithal to move forward. It means not getting stuck for too long. I'm not gonna say don't run out of gas. I'm not going to say your hurts aren't real. I'm not going to say your pain isn't real. But after you've sat with it for a little while, move forward. Don't let the place of pain be where you build your house. Don't let the place of pain be where you set up shop. We were preparing this sermon in Gainesville, and one of our movement pastors, we were just talking, and he goes, you guys know something? I could have built my whole church around church hurt. He said, before I got the greenhouse, the last church I was at was the worst experience of my life. And he says, I went to go plant a church in a city that had just had four church implosions. He said, I could have grabbed all of those hurting people, and we could have preached every morning about what the church was doing wrong, and about how hurt we were, and about how much pain we were enduring. And honestly, if I'm honest, that church would have blew up. People love places of pain. Why? Because it, it does something to us to make us feel validated. And I'm never going to invalidate your pain, but I hope that your purpose would supersede it. 
I hope that the thing God has called you to would supersede that in importance. Why? Because many of us, unfortunately, myself included at times, build whole shrines to our pain. And we let these things sit and fester. And they become the place where we sit and they become the place where we worship and the place where we observe our daily life. Instead, do not build your house on pain. Build it on peace and purpose. Build it on the resolve that Jesus gives you to keep going. My friend, Jesus ends this passage and he says, shake the dust from your feet. See, now the Hebrews and the Hebraic thinking and the ancient Near East thinking, they would have understood what this meant. It was a practice they all did. What it meant was when they left a country that was not where they wanted to be and the customs, they, they did not want these customs to follow them home. They would take literally their sandals off and shake the dust from them. They're saying this thing and this place and all their customs, I'm not taking it with me where I'm going. Moving forward in purpose is just like that. It's recognizing the hurt, recognizing the pain, shaking it off and saying, I'm not taking this with me where I'm going. Because where I'm going needs a peaceful part of me. See, if we get stuck, there are towns and cities and people that do not get what God has for them. Because we bring our pain with us there. And what I don't want the sermon to become is what our generation says. Our generation has this term, I'm just protecting my peace. And when you're hurt, that's your response. When you've been battered, your response is, I need to protect my peace. I can't, I can't be rejected again. I can't let them take it from me again. And you end up being so certain that your Jenga house doesn't fall, that you never pay attention to anything else. And we go to new churches and we don't serve because we don't want to get hurt again. And we don't join a community because the last time I was a community, I got hurt. And we don't talk to a pastor because the last time I talked to a pastor, he laughed in my face. Listen, I will never excuse that. I will never say what they did was right. But I encourage you to build your peace on something else. I encourage you to learn to go to Jesus and to shake the dust from your feet. Learn the habits of resiliency and resolve and putting your ultimate trust and hope and faith in the man, Christ Jesus. My friend, I don't want to be before you long because we extended worship, but I need you to understand that in this life, you will have trouble. In this life and on this mission and in this purpose, you will experience some of life's deepest and darkest moments. I don't say this as somebody who was on the outside. I say it as someone who has lived in church and in the mission long enough to know. I've sat in people's offices and they're like, Malik, nothing will ever come of your ministry. And I honestly have sat in places where my friends, that my friends were interracially married and the school thought about kicking them out because they didn't vibe with interracial marriage. I've been in places where people's in-laws don't talk to them because of the race of their spouse and their in-laws are deacons and elders. And what that does is it makes you just want to throw this whole Jesus thing away to begin with. And if we're real, it's a pretty good reason sometimes. The hurt is actually painful. And I have been tempted to give up on ministry. 
and I've been tempted to walk away, and I've been tempted to throw in the towel and just get a secular job and do my thing. If you know me, you know my plan this whole time was not to pastor nobody church. My plan was to go get a job in IT and work in Silicon Valley and make all the money in the world and just pray it was going to be me and Jesus and all the money. And that was just going to be the plan. Because <laughs> pain does something to you. But I thank God that he didn't leave me there. See, the reality is sometimes you can shake the dust from your feet. Worship team, y'all can come up here. But if you're human, Sometimes the pain is too much for you to shake it off. Sometimes you can't shake the dust off. Sometimes you can't get over it. And Jesus doesn't say, shake it off and I'm done. But on the night he was betrayed, his disciples were there and he sits them all down and he takes off his outer garment and he pours a bowl of water and he goes up and he starts washing his disciples' feet. Why? Because in the moment that you cannot shake it off, Jesus is good enough to wash it off. Jesus is good enough to redeem the hurt. He is big enough to redeem the pain. He doesn't need us to shake it off all the time. What he needs is for us to let him wash it off. And there's a disciple named Peter, and Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet. And Peter goes, you'll never wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus goes, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. If we do not let the Savior come and heal our hurts and bandage our wounds, our purpose is forfeited. The plan God has for us is thwarted. Why? Because we need to have part with him. But Jesus says, if you let me wash your feet, you're a part of this thing. And he says, listen, I have cleaned you eternally. He says, I have cleaned every part of you. So you're wondering, Malik, what's the big deal? The big deal is if you, like me, have experienced pain that you feel disqualifies you from your journey. I say it today, you are not disqualified. I say it today, he can make you new. And this Jesus isn't the type that leaves you where you are. The Bible didn't say he had them line up in front of him so he could wash their feet. He took off his own clothes, went to where they were, and washed their feet. Today I ask, will you let Jesus into where you are to make you new? I don't want you to serve this church. That's not why I'm here. I want you to fulfill the purpose he has for your life. Because there is more to life than showing up to work every day. There is more to life than the grind and the hustle. There are souls that need to hear of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And not only did he wash their feet, but a couple days later he went to a cross and he died for their sins. And they hung him on the cross, put nails in his hand and in his feet, put a sword through his side, and even then on the cross, he looks at the people who murdered him and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. My friend, do not let a lack of peace or your pain or rejection stop you from being who God has called you to be. Forget if he believes in you too much. He's put too much on the line for you. 
and he has set you apart for more. What will it take? I know you've been hurt. I know the pain is real. Just ask him to make it right. And if you don't even know Jesus and you're just walking through life, invite him in. What's the worst that could happen? You get peace, you get joy, you get love. Forget all the people, forget all the church stuff. It is you and Jesus. What will you say to the lover of your soul? I don't know about you, but I'll say what Peter said to Jesus. When, when Jesus is washing Peter's feet, Peter says, Jesus, if this means I have a part of you, wash all of me. I invite you to peace and purpose. I invite you to joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is a world that needs you. No, I'm, yes, you, individually. Your family needs the gospel from you. Your job needs to hear about Jesus from you. And I know they test your patience. Put your peace in Jesus because he has sent you. And if you are rejected, go back to Jesus and say, Father, they rejected me. And I promise he will hold you close and say, all that means is you look like me. He'll say, because they rejected me. The Bible says he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's the God we serve. He is not mute. He is not dead. If you didn't see it from worship this morning, he is actually alive and active. So reach out to him. Trust him with the pain. And I promise he will redeem every tear. He will redeem every moment, every night that you went on your pillow wondering what a church could do you this bad. He will hold you close and say, they don't represent me, but I do. And I love you in spite of it all. If you don't know what that means, here's the one application. This week, go all in with Jesus. Don't hold it back. What does that mean? Listen, after service today, somebody is going to get baptized right out there. What is that? That means they're going all in with Jesus that despite all of it, they are declaring that he is Lord over their life. And by Lord, I don't mean he is sometimes my savior. I mean every day, every minute, every hour, he controls me. And trust me, if you've ever been in control of yourself, he's a lot better to us than we are to ourselves. My friend, we're gonna sing this song, but I want our prayer partners to come forward. You guys can come forward now, come forward quickly. Because as I was writing this and I was praying, I, I was praying, I know that there are people who are half-stepping this season of their purpose. That God is calling into leadership, that God is calling into ministry, that God is calling to do wonderful and spectacular things, and they just don't feel like they can do it. Sometimes we've hurt ourselves so much that we don't feel like we can do it. But I invite you to believe that he who has called you is faithful that he that began a good work in you will complete it. The worship team is going to sing. And I know our custom is usually we're going to wait till all the people are gone to come up and pray. But I invite you to take a step of faith. Come now, even if the worship team is singing. Come and receive prayer. Come and let us partner with you in the purpose that Jesus has for your life. Church, can we stand? The worship team is going to sing in the second they start singing, please 
if you hear nothing else, come forward because I don't want you to leave and leave not knowing that God has called you to do something that will go exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Worship team, you can sing. of your peace is at a various destination of your past I believe that God is able to redeem every hurt, every pain every ounce of brokenness he has called you thus far by faith 
And as I said, he that began a good work in you will complete it. Number 624 in the benediction says, the Lord bless and keep you. Let his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and it says, and give you peace. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we love you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. We magnify the greatness of your name and we ask that you help us to believe that you are more than able, that we can go forward with you, trusting and believing that you have called us to do the work you've called us to. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Go with us. Give us peace that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.